0: How long should I keep tax records? This question is one of the most popular ones that I receive from clients. Usually when this question is posed, it is actually code for, I want to throw some paperwork out and I want you to tell me it's okay. This episode will try to shed some light on this question. Welcome to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is Jeff Skolnick and I'm a CPA with 35 years of experience working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, and network marketers on how to make their business more successful by understanding how taxes can work in their favor and not hurt their business. Each and every week I'm going to come to you with short, quick, and helpful tips on not only how to make sure you are doing everything possible to minimize your income tax liability, but also how to create the income for your business that you truly deserve. The most common answer to how long tax records should be kept if you consult either the IRS website or speak with tax preparers will generally be seven years. The reason for this is the general rule for an audit is that you may be audited for three years after the later of the due date of the return or the date the return is actually filed. This would mean that if you filed your 2018 return before April 15th of 2019, you could be audited up until April 15th of 2022. There is however another portion of the statute that allows the IRS to go back six years for an audit if you do not report income that you should have reported or if you underreport report your income by more than 25% of the gross income shown on in your return. So, you either don't report income or underreport income and it results in a 25% or more understatement of the gross income, you can be audited for six years. So generally we tell taxpayers to hold all of their records for those six years plus the current year you're working on. That's how the seven-year number comes about. Now I'm going to give you some other answers on record retention that you may not love now, but that could save your butt later on. Uh, One is I suggest that my clients retain all copies of tax returns indefinitely. They can be useful even once the most common three or six year statute of limitations have passed. If you have not filed your return, then the statute of limitations does not start to run. If you receive a notice from the IRS about a return from 10 years ago that they claim was never filed, the easiest way to answer them is by providing a copy of the return. In the age of electronically filed returns, this problem has been greatly reduced as the IRS sends confirmation once electronically filed returns are received. Although the risk has certainly been reduced, I still advise clients to retain all tax returns. If you prefer not to take a space with the actual hard copies or paper copies of your return, then I suggest keeping them in electronic format. In addition, if the IRS suspects fraud, the statute of limitations is indefinite. They can audit forever. Now the retention time for financial records pertaining to investments is much longer. For example, records of stocks purchased would have to be kept from the day the stock was purchased until seven years after the security was sold. So in other words, if you purchased a stock in 2005 for $1,000, and you didn't sell it until 2018, I would say you would have to keep those records until April 15th of, again, the the, the return would have been filed on April 15th of 2019. I would say that those records should be kept till April 15th of 2026. Again, the original purchase took place in 2005. So I just wanted to make you guys aware of that rule. This is even more important If you have a dividend reinvestment plan now a dividend reinvestment plan for those who don't know is when you own a stock or mutual fund and it throws off dividends at certain intervals during the year those dividends are then taken and instead of being paid to the owner they are used to purchase more either stock or more uh, of the mutual fund. This increases the basis, so when you go to sell the stock, you wanna include that basis because it's gonna reduce the gain on sale. But again, you can see why you have to keep all of these records, again, until seven years after the security is sold. So it's not when, it has nothing to do with when it's purchased, it has to do with when it's sold. Now, another rule I want you to keep in mind is that if a security is gifted, then the person receiving the gift generally has the same basis as the person giving the gift and therefore should be given proof of basis along with this gift. All right, so to put that a little more simple or make this a little more simple, I wanna explain if I purchase a stock for $1,000, if I gift it to somebody else, generally their basis is also gonna be $1,000. So at the time I give somebody the gift of the security, I should also give them proof of basis so if they go to sell it down the road, they know how much their gain or loss is. And the reason I say generally is there are some rules that are a little bit stranger if the security I purchased is actually at a lower value now than when I actually purchased it. Now, um, in addition, you should retain the closing statement for the purchase of your home as well as any records for improvements you made over the years until your home is sold. So, an example of this is let's say you purchased a home for $100,000 and then over the years you put in $60,000 of improvements. I'm also going to assume you're a single taxpayer, so that you, when you sell your principal residence, you're allowed a $250,000 exclusion on a gain. Now, if you have the paperwork from the original purchase that shows a $100,000 purchase, and you sell the house for $400,000, right now you're showing a $300,000 gain, and if you exclude $250,000, you still have a $50,000 gain. However, if I've also retained paperwork on the $60,000 worth of improvements that were done, now my gain goes from $300,000 down to $240,000 the $250,000 exclusion covers me completely, and there is no gain or loss on the the sale of that property. So, or or at least there's there's no tax that has to be paid on the gain of the property because of the exclusion. Now, if you've received property through an inheritance, such as either real estate or portfolio instruments, such as stocks, bonds, or mutual funds, then you would want to keep the proof of the basis. The reason for this is that the tax code allows for what they call a step up in basis of assets received from a decedent. Decedent is simply the person who passed away. In other words, let's say a parent purchased a home for $100,000 and over the years spent another $60,000, same numbers I used in the example a minute ago. Um, I will also say that the home was worth $500,000 at the date of the death of the owner. Although the owner only had a basis of $160,000, the $100,000 original purchase and the $60,000 improvements, because it was conveyed to you through an inheritance, your basis would be $500,000. Proof of this basis would come from either um, tax returns that were filed around the time of, of the passing or appraisals. And these would all, again, have to be retained for seven years following the sale of the property. Now, there's certain other paperwork, such as tax returns, which I previously mentioned, formation papers, bylaws, minutes, partnership agreements, that, in my opinion, should be kept indefinitely. I did come across, uh, in doing some research, um, a wonderful um, paper that was put out by the State Society of CPAs of Illinois, And it lists a a bunch of different items and how long their recommended retention rate is. And if you contact me through either Facebook Messenger or through my website, www.jeffcpaworld.com, I will be more than happy to pass this along to you. Again, please keep in mind I've only been discussing the IRS. However, your state taxing authority could also audit your return. So I know there are many rules as to which records should be kept and for how long, and I know they differ depending on documents. The good news is that most people have computers today and records can be scanned to save space. So once again, if you're not sure, please check with a tax professional before discarding any records that you may need in the future. Thanks again for listening to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. If you could please head over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes or Spotify and leave me a five star rating and write a review. Also please connect with me on social media. If there are any tax or accounting related topics you would like me to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. If you are that small business owner or entrepreneur that really wants to learn more about how to minimize your tax liability and maximize your income just head over to www.jeffcpaworld.com and I'll see you over there. Have a great day.